Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you Get so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Wendy's Big Show, served up hot and fresh. Weekdays, 10 to 2. Tomorrow, Tim Allen will be on, as you just heard me talking about it, at the end of uh, the Wendy's Big Show. Right now, Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Garage sale coming up the 28th and 29th at Milwaukee Panther Arena. 28th, more about the season ticket holders and so forth. 29th, about the general public. Used uh, items. Uh, that can be purchased, hockey sticks, uniforms, whatever the case may be, plus discounted merchandise as well from the season. So, again, mark it on your calendars, 28th, 29th, Admirals Garage Sale at Milwaukee Panther Arena. All you have to do is go to milwaukeeadmirals.com, milwaukeeadmirals.com, uh, to uh, get more details on all of that. Coming up on today's show, Tim Muma, BrewerFanatic.com. Can't wait to talk to him. Haven't had him on in over a month. Uh, looking forward to catching up with him in about 15 minutes about this Brewers baseball team. Uh, I've been gone for like a week, and they've stunk pretty much the whole time I, I've been out. Uh, so got to catch up on talking some Brewers baseball with Tim Muma. Uh, and then if you miss Sean Devin, he will play some of that back. And then Rami Makhlouf, uh in after that uh, with his big announcement uh, if you missed it today on Bart Show, uh, he'll make that uh, coming up as well. Uh, coming up, uh, I don't know, 2.45, 3 o'clock, somewhere uh, in that area before the Rami Show gets underway at 3 o'clock. Last night, uh, Brewers game got done. I had uh, 12.50 a.m. the fan on. Boom, here comes the show open. Here comes Tim Allen talking about yet another Brewers loss and yet another Brewers shutout. And 
So I was I was listening. And Bonamago Jr., Tim Shea, he was uh, producing and in here uh, with Tim Allen last night. And in the very beginning of the show, after saying that they lost and so forth, Tim Allen got into talking about what his buddies uh, were sending up messages with as far as how this game was being viewed by them as Brewers fans. And this is what it sounded like. It was blowing up early in this game. That's the one part that really got to me as I started the show out with. It's the one part that got to me was the earlier portion of this game, right at the front end. I, my phone was blowing up. These are the quotes here. They look robotic, was one of my buddies. Another one said, they're going through the motions. Another one said, no energy. Did it look like that to you when they have a big series against the New York Mets at their place? Trying to bust out of it, coming off a victory, coming off an off day, bullpen ready to go, everybody fresh, reset, let's go toe-to-toe against one of the league's best. Did they look ready to play? Did they look ready to play? I was in my car, and I was talking in my car, like I do so often listening to Tim Allen. And Tim obviously can't hear me because I didn't call in, but I still like to talk out my my frustrations or like to talk out that I agree with him. Sometimes I'll be in my car clapping. There you go, Timmy. You're on the ball. That's what's what I'd say the same thing, right? So always kind of reacting to Tim in my car, like I'm sure most of you do when you're listening to Tim after Brewer games. I do it off air. Right, right. You're doing the same Stuff thing. That can't your be mic said is on air. <laughs> your mic is off, but you're you know yep. one way or the other you're reacting. Yep. And kind of like a lot of your produce, uh, the producers do here at the radio station. You may not hear Sam reacting to Rami on every single thing that's being said, but. He probably is, and it's probably got his mic turned off, and he's saying things under his breath or whatever the case may be. And same with the other shows. So when I was deciding what we were going to do on Madness, we were going to do this on Big Show. We just never got to it, so I decided to do it on Madness last night. I want you all to explain something to me, please. Bob Mago Jr., you obviously as well, because you're a Brewer fan. I've never understood this when it comes to baseball. When you say, hey, I was watching the Bucks play last night and they looked like they were going through the motions and they were just kind of out there. Okay, I can cite examples. Not hustling down the floor. Playing Matador defense. Guys not rotating. Guys being late to rotate. Right? I can point out things that can justify and defend my position of they don't look like they're interested. There's not much going on there. Right? So that, I think, is defendable. I don't understand, nor have I ever understood, when people say, yeah, man, that baseball team just going through the motions, looking like robots, doesn't look like they want to be there, just playing another game you know, in a stretch of games. Help me understand something. What are you watching that backs up or defends your position? That's all I want to know. Like, what's a sign to you that baseball players don't have energy or are going through the motions? I want to know. I can only think of one. There is literally only one thing I can think of called the Johnny Estrada rule, I guess. Right? So Johnny Estrada don't run hard on the first baseline and gives up running on the first baseline when he should be running hard? Okay. That's a guy that, whatever. He, he, he's not as interested maybe or whatever. So you could say that 
of a player not running out of ground ball and pulling up halfway and not running it out, maybe that player is going through the motions. But every player on the roster, I don't think, is doing that during a course of a game. So when you make the comment that the Brewers don't have energy or the Brewers are going through the motions, what does that mean? Like, what do you see to make that statement? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM, the fan. Think about it. What's an outfielder supposed to do when he's out there on defense? Tell me. What? It's going to stand there. And waits. And waits. And waits. If he has energy, doesn't mean he's going to start doing jumping jacks in the outfield, waiting for the ball to come to him or drop down and do push-ups or start running in place or waving to the crowd and trying to pump the crowd up with his hands. He's not going to do that. When you're on defense on the infield, what do you expect them to do to show you energy? Or that they're not going through the motions. What are they supposed to do? Versus a game where you're like, man... Brewers were playing like it was playoff-type energy tonight, man. They were on it. What is the difference of when you're watching a game between the two? I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and shout you down or yell at you, even though it feels like I'm a little angry. I'm more frustrated because I don't understand why people make that statement. And I want to try and learn why people make that statement. I think it's more of them not hitting the ball. And they're not, not scoring the runs. Well, if you're not hitting, that does not mean you're not, not trying. I, I, or that means you're not going th- that you're not trying to think of, all right, and anticipating, all right, you know, I, I'm sitting here on the fastball on this pitch or I'm sitting on the breaking ball here or whatever. They're still thinking it out. They're still going through the motion. I mean, they're still doing what they would normally do if it was, you know, a game in April or a game, game in September, I think. I mean, unless you can get into a player's mind and go, He's not thinking about the next pitch. He's thinking about where he's staying on, uh, you know, uh, after the game, or he's thinking about where he's going to dinner. I don't know how you could read a player's mind at a plate and determine that he's going through the motions. That that's that's my thing. Now, if you want to say, Spark, it's easy. They're not up on the rail in the dugout, clapping and cheering. Come on, let's go. Here we go, Christian. Let's do it. Let's lead off the game. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. If you're saying sometimes they do that. And other times, they're kind of just sitting back uh, on the bench and not really uh, into the game and up cheering on their teammates or whatever else. And that's what you see to determine not showing energy and going through the motions. That one aspect, I can maybe hear that. I can maybe hear that as far as what it is. But so often, I hear people say it, but nobody ever follows up with why. Give me a reason why you're saying that. Give me an example of what you saw in the game that makes you use that statement. In basketball, I told you, I gave you three, four, five examples of why somebody would say it in basketball. That's clear. That's an up and down game. You can see energy. You can see everything going on. You can see mental lapses. All of that. You can see all of it happening, and that's easy to justify if during the course of a season, you know, a team's not with it. That's easy. Baseball, I, I don't I I don't I don't understand. What's what's a sign to you? Now, baseball players don't have energy or are going through the motions. 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan. Have you, Tim Shea, Mago Jr., ever made that statement at some point in your life? I maybe might have said they don't look like they have energy. I've never made the going through the motions comment. Right. Because I don't, I, I don't know what the motions are. What what? 
for baseball, like you said, it's tough. It's tougher to figure out in baseball when you get a big hit. Of course, you're going to clap and be happy. When you're one for twenty six, yeah, you may over dramatize actually getting a hit because it's been so long. But when you're just kind of standard all year and nothing is really going better or worse necessarily, or maybe you're in a zero for the last five or six slump, what exactly do you want them to show? I mean, is it, okay, this dude's zero for his last seven. He struck out. So now slam the bat on the ground and walk to the walk to the dugout. Snap the bat across his thigh. You might, walk to the you might want to see that. Throw a bat yeah. in the dugout, back into the batter's thing, uh, and throw the bat away because that shows they care and there's energy. Maybe a closed-door meeting. Which the Brewers might need to have. Soon. Well, that doesn't happen during a game. No, but this is this is during the game. Tim Allen saying his phone is blowing up with his buddies texting him those type of things. Right here, here it is again from the post game show. Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball post game show last night. My phone was blowing up early in this game. That's the one part that really got to me as I started the show out with. It's the one part that got to me was the earlier portion of this game, right at the front end. I, my phone was blowing up. These are the quotes here. They look robotic, was one of my buddies. Another one said, they're going through the motions. Another one said, no energy. Did it look like that to you when they have a big series against the New York Mets at their place? Trying to bust out of it, coming off a victory, coming off an off day, bullpen ready to go, everybody fresh, reset, let's go toe-to-toe against one of the league's best. Did they look ready to play? Did they look ready to play? That's a whole nother topic. How do you not look ready to play? I don't know. So if I'm at second base, am I looking at the scoreboard when they're pitching the game? I think it's I'm more looking an offense. The, looking over there at the, at, the, at the people in the seats waving, hey, Mikey, my five-year-old, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Wham, ball gets hit by. Oh, I didn't know we started. I'm sorry. Now looking right, what does that mean? Like I don't, I, I, I guess I'm really at a loss. And I hear this type of stuff all the time. And last night, I literally was talking to my my car, and Kay was next to me, and she's like, "You know they can't hear you." Yeah, yeah, I know they can't hear me, but this is what I do all the time, especially when I'm by myself. And I really talk to the radio. I'm sure y'all can relate. Did to you that. see the first inning last night? Yeah, that's what he was really upset with. I know, I understand, but you didn't score a run. On I mean, I heard him. Defense. I heard him nitpicking everything about pitching to one guy versus walking that guy and pitching to another guy and all this other stuff. But you had no runs. You could have lost one nothing. It wouldn't have mattered. You got to score. Like if you're not going to score three or more runs and you lose two one three two three zero three one whatever, you didn't do enough on offense. This isn't on any type of pitching maneuver or anything else. You didn't score. Now, when you don't score, it means you're not ready, I guess. But I guess I'm even struggling to find that whole thing, too, as far as not being ready. All right, coming up next, maybe Tim Muma can explain it to us. From BrewerFanatic.com, he's straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Minus, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. As we broadcast live from the Lakeland University studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Again, learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Steve Sparky Fiverr with you. Bonamago Jr., a.k.a. Tim Shea, other side of the glass. Rami Makhlouf comes up here in about a half hour, 40 minutes or so, uh, and we will find out about a half hour. Uh, we'll find out from him, maybe, uh, what his big announcement is. He may not tell us. He may make us wait. But he made the announcement earlier today on Bart show. Um, so I'm assuming it's it's not going to be a secret necessarily. But we'll find out uh, when he comes up here for our crosstalk before his show uh, at 3 o'clock. Joining us now from BrewerFanatic.com, he is Tim Muma on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Tim, thanks for coming on, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Sparky. Always glad to be on with you. Okay, so we I, – I don't know if you were listening to the show or not because I know you have a life. Uh, but here is um, Tim Allen last night during the beginning of the postgame show after the Brewers got shut out. Uh, and then I have a question for you. My phone was blowing up early in this game. That's the one part that really got to me as I started the show out with. It's the one part that got to me was the earlier portion of this game, right at the front end. I, my phone was blowing up. These are the quotes here. They look robotic, was one of my buddies. Another one said, they're going through the motions. Another one said, no energy. Did it look like that to you when they have a big series against the New York Mets at their place? Trying to bust out of it, coming off a victory, coming off an off day, bullpen ready to go, everybody fresh, reset, Let's go toe-to-toe against one of the league's best. Did they look ready to play? Okay, Tim Muma. So you tell me. The question I was asking before you came on, what's a sign to you that baseball players don't have energy or that they're going through the motions? Because for me, I can't ever figure it out. I've heard this my entire life. People say stuff like this. It's easy for me to tell you when that stuff is happening in a basketball game. There's definite warning signs and things you can point to to say, yep, it's definitely happening. For, with baseball, I, I don't understand what people are looking at to make that proclamation. I, this might be historic because I completely agree with you on this. Um, basketball, football, which are high-energy sports, fewer games. Obviously, basketball still has a ton of games. Um, it, it's way easier to see and to have an impact. For baseball, it's, it's just too tough. I mean, you want guys to be relaxed. You want guys not obviously going through the motions, but when, when people start to press in baseball, just like in golf, things get worse. It's like, it's like walking in quicksand. You know, the, the harder you struggle, the more you push, the more deep down you get pushed down, and it's just more trouble. So uh, the best thing you can keep doing is you have to just keep grinding away at it. Maybe you change up some things here or there, 
uh, whether it's your pregame routine or something you're doing to prepare uh, just in general, more film, less film, more BP, less BP, that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the game, you're, you're really trying to do everything you can to be more relaxed. And, and that's not to say you're not trying, of course, but I really don't know if there's much of a sign. I mean, if you see a guy consistently, you know, jogging halfway down the baseline right. or jogging after fly balls, fine. But that's got to be on a consistent daily basis. And that's an individual, personal, you know, character flaw. That's not... That's not something that uh, that I think is they're going through the motions, and I really just think they're a tired team. They're they're trying to figure out how to get out of this funk, and uh, sometimes you can't explain those things. And and the long slog of a baseball season, you're unfortunately going to have periods like this. It just I think it feels more urgent with this team because everyone expected them to almost run away with the division, which was really unrealistic to begin with. Okay, so let's talk about the injuries and how they're playing into this. Uh, yeah. Woodruff has been out longer than expected. Peralta's not going to be back till August or September, it looks like, but be back in time for the playoffs. So you're having to replace two-thirds of your big three uh, in the rotation and still try to keep this thing going in the direction, like you said, of people thinking that they should kind of uh, you know run away with this division a little bit, even though I think, or at least you and I thought, probably the Cardinals would be able to keep it close. The rest of the division's right. horrible. But those two teams, Brewers and Cardinals, you thought might be a battle for most of the season. And now the Brewers are chasing the Cardinals here uh, by a couple games or so. So could there be? would there be anything else that the Brewers could have done at this point to try and overcome losing Woodruff and Peralta? Because I think that's part of this equation that not a lot of people are bringing up. Everybody focuses on the offense. I get it. But not having those two, I think, affects not only on the field, but probably off the field, too. When you go out there with your top three pitchers, you feel like, okay, we got it every game. I don't know if you get that same confidence and same feel as a team when some of these guys that are filling in for them go out there the same way. Right, and there's a, there's a few things that go into this. It's not just the fact that Woodruff and Peralta aren't pitching every five or, or six days. It's the sort of the trickle-down impact. I mean, now you have Ashby in the rotation instead of having him as that multiple-inning guy in the bullpen. So now that's affecting the bullpen right there because you don't have that guy to come in and you know shut down a team for three innings and save some of those arms. Uh, then you also have guys who are currently filling in as a starter. They're maybe only going four innings, maybe five if you're lucky. Now you got to go to the bullpen sooner. You're using guys you don't necessarily want to use in close games in the middle of contests. Those games end up being, you know, getting away from you, or you start using some of your other, you know, high leverage arms sooner, and then you're using them more often, and they're getting worn out. I mean, it's, it really, to your point, it starts with Woodruff and Peralta as far as the pitching side, and then it just trickles down to the rest of the group. And, you know, fair or unfair, guys like Burns, Lauer, and Hauser, and I wrote about this at BrewerFanatic.com, those guys need to be the ones to step up, and they really haven't in this stretch. I mean, Burns, Burns' ERA's last three starts is like 3.6, which is still obviously good. It's not what we expect from him, but it's good. But guys like Lauer and Hauser, I mean, they have ERA's over six in their last three starts. So now you lose Woodruff and Peralta. You're not getting the same type of performances from Lauer and Hauser, which they are also only pitching at most five innings in a game. So it's just tearing through the, the pitching staff as a whole, and then you're calling guys up and down and having to figure that out. On top of that, as you said, you still have an offense that, that can't really figure out what their identity is and, and still getting guys back from injury. So it's really just been a, a real uh, mix of chaotic events that have killed the Brewers over this, this course. And, again, it's not an excuse. Teams go through this stuff, but they really just need to try to weather this out. Don't get swept by the Mets. Try to win two out of three in Cincinnati, and hopefully you can kind of get these pieces uh, coming back to you so you can make a run. He is Tim Muma, of course, writes for BrewerFanatic.com. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. 
When we talk about the offensive side uh, and the batting for this baseball team, we've seen Craig Council uh, make a definitive switch. He hasn't backed off of it. I was scared it could happen for one game, and then he'd go back to doing what he was doing. But he has moved Christian Yelich to the leadoff position and left him there, and it seems to be paying some dividends that Yelich seems, now again, I was thought this before, but it seems like he's starting to get going again. Well, I mean, I guess not to pat myself too much on the back, but before the season, I felt Yelich should be leading off. You did say that. His, his skill set right now, you know, he's not the power guy anymore. I think it would take pressure off of him. He still has good on-base skills. He's a great base runner. That's where he should be. And I don't buy into Wong as leadoff hitter anyway, especially since he was hitting for more power last year than he had in his career. Um, so hopefully that is something that Council, even when Wong comes back, will stick to because I think – he has definitely helped in that regard. It's helped Yelich personally, and then offensively, if they had some guys who were you know, hitting better right now, it would definitely help with the run production. Uh, so I just think that's the best spot for him personally and to, to help the team going forward. And then you have to fill in the gaps, probably based on pitcher matchup. Uh, but that's not going well for the Brewers either. I mean, you have a guy like McCutcheon who you, you brought in to mash left-handed pitching. He's, he's just not doing that, especially against starters. I was just looking recently. McCutcheon has an OPS under 600 against lefties. I mean, that's what he's there for. He's not there to really face right-handers much. So it really is a, an up-and-down lineup problem. And, uh, you know, I think everybody's trying to look and see what can they do to get out of it. Can they bring somebody in? I mean, one, one hitter is not going to make a ton of difference, but maybe it helps stable uh, stabilize the lineup a little bit. You can move guys around into spots that are more comfortable. But, um, you know, at least I think with Yelich – as I said, once Wong is back, maybe Council goes back to his old ways and has uh, Wong to the leadoff spot and Yelich two or three. But I would love to see Yelich stay there the rest of the season and, and see what uh, what the rest of the guys can do in those power spots with Yelich on base, hopefully more often than not. He is uh, Tim Muma, again, writer for Brewer Fanatic, joining us here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Um, the other part of this, I, I think, uh, is looking at it from Craig Council's standpoint, right? When a team gets in a mm-hmm. funk – then the conversation becomes, what should the manager do to help him get out of the funk? Is it making lineup changes? Is it doing something different to try and shake this thing up? Uh, we had Maury Brown on earlier from Forbes, and he said he doesn't think there's really anything a manager can do at this point. Nothing tried and true, or it's worked for a bunch of different managers, and maybe Craig Council should try this. Do you think there's really anything Council can do at this point, Tim Muma, to try and get this ship right? Because we're going on now two weeks. Yeah, first of all, I was listening when uh, Maury was on. I thought you, you guys had some great stuff on during there. So Thanks. I guess I only have a life sometimes. Yeah, that's, uh, oh, but... that's, that's fine. I know you have a real job, too, so I just wanted to make – I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but I did hear him say that, and I think for the most part that's true, especially when you get to the big league level. I mean, these are adults. They're professionals. They've been doing this their whole life. I think there's always, like I said earlier, there's little things you can do maybe in your preparation that just to, to change it up. Um you know, I've experienced it as a player, even at, you know, amateur levels and even coaching young kids that sure, uh, you know, it might be thing like you take less batting practice or you take no BP, you know, just to clear your mind a little bit. Uh, but I think you also have to, it's, it's an individual player thing. Some guys want to have more and more and more data. How can I get out of this? What am I doing wrong? What can I look at? Some guys want mechanical adjustments. Am I, you know, am I pulling my front shoulder out? Am I doing something with my hands? Um, other guys just want like I just want to go hit. I want to maybe I need to not think of any of that stuff. So I don't think there's anything team wide you can do. I know you guys mentioned the the Joe Madden stuff with the Angels and it didn't work when they did the uh, Nickelback stuff. Right. Uh, and then he, and then Joe Madden got a Mohawk and he was fired before he could show that off. So that didn't work. Nope. Uh, but I mean, so I don't know what there really is because I think if you change too much as a team, like go away from whatever your core preparation is or whatever your core philosophy is 
then I think even more panic sets in because then the players start to wonder well, what's going on. I thought I thought this was the way to go. This is what we do can do to work. Uh, so there's a fine line there, but in the end, you're dealing with with humans and you're dealing with guys who have to take accountability for themselves. And you know, as much as Council you know is a good manager, of course he has his flaws. It does come down to the players performing, kind of like I mentioned with Burns, Lauer, Hauser. I mean, if those guys aren't performing and you're missing some of your other top guns, you know, you just you got to ride ride through it as best you can, and uh, and then like I said, make a run when you start getting all your pieces back. I think the other part of this, uh, and this isn't on Council. But it does come on some of these players to show that veteran leadership and to try and keep yeah. this clubhouse still loose, whether that's Yelich, Adamas, uh, Rowdy Tellis, whoever it is, to try to not get make this too tight of a situation where guys are stressing um, and are overthinking things and really getting in their heads. Because once that happens, that ball starts rolling downhill. It, it's going to take a lot to overcome that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, like, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, same thing with golf, right? Anytime you start tensing up with baseball. You know, you, you squeeze the bat a little bit tighter. Everything gets stiff. You start thinking about every little thing. It just goes bad real fast. The best thing you can do, like I said, yeah, you like you said, stay loose. Try to keep it fun. Try to remind yourself that you're still, you know, getting to a play a game you love every day, visiting different cities. Whatever you got to do to convince yourself that this isn't the most miserable two weeks of your life, because it could obviously be way worse. And it, it's obviously tough. I mean, these guys do care. That's another thing when you bring up the going through the motion and people criticizing for that. I mean, yeah, there are guys who, who do do that, but for the most part, 9% players, they care. They, they don't want to go through this. I mean, I heard Yelich talking last week when they were at uh, Anfam Field. Just, you could hear it in his voice. He's like, I got, I just, I got to keep working. I got to find a way through. It's, it's not easy, but this is part of the game. And uh, that's just a reality. And it's, right now it seems like it's just every single player on that team is, is kind of going through that, save for you know maybe a – the back end of the bullpen, guys, because they're just not getting that much work. Tim Muma, BrewerFanatic.com. What can everybody find over at your website? Uh, lots of great information uh, from the minor leagues up, obviously, through the Brewers. And uh, a couple, uh, a lot of focus on the offense lately, and I'm probably going to put something up there soon about that, too. But uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. We're trying to get as much content as we can. And we still have the famous forums, because, uh, again, this was BrewerFan.net. So transferring over to content, but also have those forums if you want to uh, – you know, you want to air your grievances a bit there, feel free. All right, very good. Tim, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Sparky. Always a pleasure. You betcha. Follow him again on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for home renovation loan, if you're feeling anxious, I'll breathe. Let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Father's Day is Sunday, a day of celebration of all things a father should be to his family. It's more than okay to give ourselves a gift or suggest an ideal gift to others. What better way to celebrate the day than with delicious meats from Robert's Specialty Meats? Paul Roberts has lots of options to make Father's Day weekend special for you and your family. From hand-cut ribeye, T-bone or porterhouse steaks, bacon wrap fillets, USDA prime beef tenderloin, gourmet burgers, and marinated chicken breasts. Summer also means brats on the grill, and you'll find over 30 types of original sauce sausages and brats at Roberts, including the Al Capone Italian sausage, just full of zesty flavor. Call Roberts today at 262-549-MEAT for the best selection and reserve your order. And when you visit, be sure to pick up some of their cherrywood smoked beef jerky or sticks, the perfect snack treats anytime. You can also check them out online at robertspecialtymeatswaukesha.com for money-saving coupons. For the best in meats, shop Robert Specialty Meats, your hometown butcher. Up next, we'll hear from Sean Devaney, who joined us uh, earlier in the show, talk about the NBA Finals and talk about just how good maybe this Bucks team could have been with Chris Middleton in the playoffs. That's all straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness.
Oh, yeah, boy, Rami Makhlov gets here, throws on his headphones. All right, let's go. I'm like, dude, you're 25 minutes before you go on the air, man. Settle down. He's all excited, right? He gets headphones on. All right, let's go. Let's I talk. I only have three hours of Milwaukee airtime left. I you could have told me. You could have had four. <laughs> could have had four if you wanted four. You could have had four. Not a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to Rami Makhlov and his big announcement uh, coming up. But first, I want to play back some of Sean Devaney uh, from earlier uh, today. Uh, and, you know, he's been around a long time, NBA Insider with Sporting News for a long time and so forth, and now with Heavy.com, their uh, editor, they're over there. Uh, and started off, Gary Leroy and myself, asking him about, do you think the Bucs uh, were probably the best team in the NBA when they were healthy? Uh, kind of seeing how they took Boston to seven and gave them fits, now seeing Golden State and Boston playing each other. Do you think maybe the Bucs were the best team in the NBA when healthy? Certainly the best team in the East. I I, I picked them uh, uh, to win the East, and uh, um, you know if Middleton has been healthy in that series. I don't think there's much question that uh, that they'd have beaten Boston. You know the Celtics uh, have been very resilient. They've you know we've heard all the cliches about them, uh, but you know talent and experience wise, um, with Middleton on the floor, the Bucks uh, uh, would have been the much better team, and I think that would have that would have showed itself. Um, but you know, at, at the same time, look, injuries happen, you know, and that's, that's, that's part of the deal. So, uh, it, it's kind of a moot point, but, uh, at the same time, yeah, I, 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 you know, when you watch the Celtics team and, and, and some of the holes that it has, uh, and you consider what Middleton brought during last year's playoff run, uh, if he had been on the floor, then uh, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that, that they'd at least be in the finals and, and we'd see what, it, what, what would happen going up against a team like Golden State. You know, if Gary Ellison here, you know, it feels like here in Milwaukee, the city of Wisconsin, that the fans here kind of have a love-hate relationship with Middleton. And I, and I thought that it more of a ba- hate. Yeah, bared out in this series that what he's you know, what, what he brings to the table for this Milwaukee Bucks team. How do you see, uh, perceive Chris Middleton uh, as, as a uh, basketball player here in the NBA? You know, I, I mean, he's a guy who isn't the most talented. I mean, he's a second-round pick, right? So, you know, he, he isn't. He doesn't overwhelm you with his talent, but he has worked to get himself uh, into a role where he can be productive, uh, you know, and, and, and would be able to play a role for just about any team. Um, you know, obviously he's not a number-one option, uh, but at the same time he can give you 20 points. Uh, he could be an above-average shooter. He could be a very good shooter from the perimeter, struggling a little bit this year, of course. Uh, but, you know, in general, he, he's going to shoot about 40%. Uh, has learned to play well with Giannis and, 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 and be a good complementary piece. Uh, very good secondary ball handler. You know, I mean, it, he's, he's a jack-of-all-trades and master of none, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think people uh, kind of look down on him a little bit. Uh, because he's not wowing you with his athleticism, he doesn't, uh, he, you know, make the highlight plays. Uh, but he's he's as solid uh, a number two guy as you can have in the NBA. Uh, and uh, for, for for my money, he's as good as a a, a clutch player in the postseason uh, as 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 we've seen. You know, just just about anywhere. You know, especially for a guy who's not the, the number one star. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's not that 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 star caliber player, and I think that's why uh, he gets sort of a bum rap. Uh, but when you look at what he's done with the talent that he has, um, you know, he gets the most out of uh, uh, out of what he's given. Sean Leroy Butler, um, I'm not going to 
bore you with no more Middleton questions. God didn't even play it. I, I, I don't. I'm I don't, not bored. I'm not bored, man. No, I am. I mean, it just we gotta move forward for this finals because this to me, it always seemed like to me, Sean, it's always that one guy gives you that great series or that one game that push you forward for the Warriors. It was Wiggins because Steph is 0 for 9 from 3. And now you would think with Boston, they need that one guy tonight. I mean, I don't know if it's the Williams, one of the Williams kids, because one of them is going to get wide open threes and one of them going to get a lot of rebounds. Is it one guy, if you had to pick one guy other than Taylor and Brown, or if you can pick them if you want, that has to have a big game tonight that pushed it to seven games? Yeah, it's probably Al Horford. You know, if you look at, at, at what they've done in the playoffs, uh, mm-hmm. It pretty much boils down to when Al Horford plays well, the Celtics play well. And yeah. when Al Horford doesn't, if he's not being productive, if he's not, um, you know, effective on the defensive end, if he's not, uh, you know, doing all the things that Al Horford uh, is 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 known to do, then you know it's 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 going to be a tough night. He, he's really been the guy who has been sort of the the, the barometer of that team. Um, yeah, you do need Grant Williams uh, uh, to make some shots. You need Robert Williams to kind of control the paint. Uh, but but really the X factor to me is, is, is Al Horford. It's been that way all throughout the postseason for them. Yeah, I want to go to the coaches. Uh, Steve, you want to give him a reset real quick? Sure. Talking with uh, Sean Devaney, uh, again, the NBA editor uh, for Heavy.com. Follow him on Twitter at Sean Devaney as he joins us here on the Wendy's Big Show. Sean, I really want to get into coaches because I think that um, both coaches are doing a masterful job. They really are. I mean, with the – I mean, with the talent, injury, the, the substitution pattern, everything. You know, um, the Boston coach, he talked about his bigs on the um, on the pick and roll. You got to step up and make you know make that shot tough, tough for Steph. And then they want to get Wiggins some space. And at the same time, it seemed like the intangibles are the reason why they're up three to two. Now, I, I'll say this: I don't know what you, when you play a team so many times, you're not going to fool each other. But I like both systems. I just think Boston's system is set up. For them, they're longer. They're going to control the rebounds. I think they'll try to get into more of a um, kind of a back-and-forth thing with Draymond Green and Jalen Brown. For some reason, those guys got to stay focused. So it's up to the coaches to say, listen, y'all got to stay focused. You can't get technicals. You can't get into all the pushing and shoving. So do these both of these coaches got to make sure their teams uh, just stay out of all the extracurricular activity stuff? Yeah, I think that's that's probably more on Emi Adoka with the Celtics uh, than it is Steve Kerr because yep. you know the the bulk of this uh, of this Warriors team has been through this before. Uh, they know how to play the head games. They know how to how to not get caught up in things. Uh, you know they've been through all this before. So uh, you know it's it, it's a much different uh, uh, scenario with them. Uh, you know the Celtics they're they're learning and 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 we see them make make some of those mistakes. Uh, they get into those those turnover prone stretches, uh, mm-hmm. and that has cost them in every one of these losses. You know, when they get, uh, I think it was what 18 turnovers uh, in the last game. When they when they get up around that number, when they get over 16, very hard for them to win. Uh, and 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 that's a focus. That's a mental thing. And you're right. The other thing is they get too caught up with the refs. Uh, you know, you think you get fouled, you turn and you're shouting to the refs. Meanwhile, the Warriors are running the other way and <laughs> setting up their yeah. offense. You can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, I think the Warriors have a much better grasp on, on handling that stuff with as much experience as they've had. Uh, and, and and the Celtics uh, have, uh, uh, you know, they've got to be much more focused here in game six. 
You know, Sean, it, it feels like, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, but it feels like on both teams, there's kind of been one guy in each team here uh, lately that that they've decided to go at. I feel like offensively, Golden State isn't afraid of Al Horford at all. Um, and I feel like Boston uh, is looking how to go at uh, Poole when he's out there on the floor mm-hmm. as well. Uh, in, in both of those situations, you know, their teams are trying to do what they can to kind of overcome that, but are either one enough of a liability to reduce minutes played because of defense? No, I, you know, probably not. You know, in, in, in all cases, um, you know, when a coach makes a change and, and, and puts somebody in, uh, you know, they know what, what, what the liability is going to be. You know, Jordan Poole uh, is, is a good example of a guy who, if he's making his shots, then you, then you got to leave him out there. Uh, the question is, how many shots do you give him before you, before you say enough's enough? Um, you know, we saw that in game five with Peyton Pritchard off the bench for the Celtics. He comes in late in the second quarter, uh, commits a turnover, misses three three-pointers in four and a half minutes. And M.A. Adoka says, I've seen enough. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and they don't put him back at all, you know, after four and a half minutes. And, and he's been a guy who, who's been a contributor for them. Uh, and, uh, and of course we saw how tired they were later on in the fourth quarter. And you wonder, you know, if they were able to get more minutes out of a guy like Pritchard, does that, does that save them a little bit? So, yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to, you, 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 it's tough for coaches, uh, to make those judgment calls. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, Steve Kerr tends to be a lot more regimented in terms of what he's going to do with his minutes. Uh, M.A. Adoka seems to be a little more, uh, you know, he'll fly by the seat of his pants a little bit. If I was a Timberwolves fan, I think I'd be puking every time I watch Andrew Wiggins play at this point in the postseason. I probably wouldn't <laughs> even be watching uh, at this point because, you know, you go back to when he was drafted, the Bucks were right there. I mean, they it was uh, Parker and Wiggins were those two guys who were debating at the top of the draft, and obviously Wiggins went one, Parker went two at that point. But Wiggins was – Pretty okay, I, I would say, in Minnesota. I don't think he was horrible necessarily, but never lived up to that hype of where he was drafted. Uh, now all of a sudden you're seeing him in this role where he's not really the focal point or even the second guy uh, on this offense. But not only is it is it scoring, but even when he's not doing that, now all of a sudden he's rebounding out of this world uh, on top mm-hmm. of everything else. I mean, isn't he legitimately in a position here to maybe go win the MVP of the finals? Yeah, uh, you know, it's possible. I, I, I think uh... Uh, I think it'd probably be a riot if if, if Golden State wins and, and it doesn't Steph go to Steph. Curry, so right. uh, I, you know, I think it'll wind up going to Curry one way or the other. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you're right. It's it's and it's got to be tough to be a Timberwolves fan because I think there were two knocks on him. One is that he was not a number one player. He was not your number one option, and they were trying to make him into that. Uh, and it was just clear that he was not built for that. Um, and 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 so just role wise to see him change his role. Uh, and and succeed in it, uh, that's got to be frustrating. I think the other thing is just work ethic. You know, he did not put in the work in Minnesota. He talked to anybody with that organization, uh, and then you know he probably admitted, if he was being honest, uh, that, uh, that 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 he just did not put in the work. Uh, he goes to Golden State, and I think he looks at Steph, who's got this this legendary uh, uh, workout regimen that he does uh, after each practice, uh, and he looks at Clay Thompson, you know, working as hard as he did to come back from the, those injuries. Uh, you know, you just you just go up and down. Down, uh, and, and and sort of the culture there, and I think that that really affected him, and he changed his approach in terms of uh, in terms of his work ethic. So it's probably a, a, a double whammy there if you're a, a Timberwolves fan. You see this guy succeeding uh, in the role he should 
be in. Uh, and then you see him actually putting in the work that he never did while I was in Minnesota. So almost, because here's another debate here. So so almost, if you think of Middleton and Wiggins, Wiggins is a guy that has the talent. Middleton is a guy that had to make himself into what he is. But both, at the end of the day, can be significant players with a real true all-star or generational type player on their team. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think uh, uh, you've got, uh, uh, you think of Middleton, he's punching up, you know, he's punching up to get into his role and, and Wiggins is probably punching down in terms of what his talent level is uh, to be in his role. Uh, but both of them are, are similar in terms of what they can bring. Which, which would you rather have? You know, uh, I, I'd probably rather have Wiggins, and just in the just in the sense that I think he's probably got better longevity. I think when you have that that natural athleticism, uh, you know, it's it's going to last longer. And I think you know maybe Middleton, uh, you know that 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 his. Uh, you know, he, he, he plays all out. He's so close to his ceiling all the time that, you know, eventually there's injuries and there's burnout, uh, uh, you know, as you get into your 30s, whereas I think Wiggins can be an effective player, you know, 34, 35 years old. So, you know, over the course of their career, you know, right now I'd probably take Middleton, but over the course of their careers, you know, I think, uh, I, I think I'd probably take Wiggins. Yeah, you know what, you may be right about that, but as a teammate, I'd probably rather have Middleton because I know – what I'm going to get. I know this guy's working yeah. hard day in and day out. I don't know if Wiggins is going to be there for me. When You know what I mean? If you're not reaching your potential that, that God gave you, I, I, I would lend to myself is to go with a guy that I know worked to be what he is. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I guess what I'd say is, you know, Wiggins is a guy who who can who can follow uh, in in a good culture, whereas Milton yep. is a guy who can help lead a good culture, and 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 and, and that's probably the difference between the two. Awesome. That's good stuff. Dude. There awesome. he is, Sean Devaney. He's one of the best uh, that we get on here. NBA editor for Heavy dot com. Make sure to follow him uh, throughout the NBA season and off season. He's always on top of things. Sean, thanks so much for coming thanks, on, Sean. man. Appreciate it. Follow him on Twitter at Sean Devaney. There he is, Sean Devaney. As just heard here on the Big Show, uh, he was good. Maury Brown was good on the Wendy's Big Show as well. Go back to BigShowNetwork.com to listen to that or simply hit Rewind on your Odyssey app. Up next, we'll hear from Rami Makhlouf. has got a big announcement coming up. That's next here on the Wendy's Big Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.